You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense, and I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. And today I've got a a great topic that I'm very excited about. My guest is a gentleman named Blaine Olkers. And Blaine, did I pronounce that last name correctly? Yes. Yes, you got it. Well, Blaine, welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, great to be here. And I love the idea of common sense. Now, I, you know, a lot of us have common sense, but actually using it uh, and, and moving forward in life using it is is great. I, I enjoy your show and, and uh, happy to be here today. Hope to add some value to the listeners today. And, and I'm excited to, to chat with you. I think we really will. And the reason I'm excited about talking to Blaine is that he has packaged some things and centered some thought around what it means to be a chief results officer. You've actually trademarked that title, right? Yeah, so I, I can I can claim I'm America's only chief results officer. And so people might say, hey, what is that? And basically what I found is that my genius zone was helping people take control of their lives by taking control of themselves, something I call self-fluence. So I ended up, I started a company called Self-Fluence, but it's really kind of personal implementation, like getting yourself to do the things you know you should be doing, but then also maybe getting yourself to not do those kind of bad habits that aren't really contributing to your life. So it's a the whole, I, over the years, the last couple of decades, I've become an expert on, on what I call personal implementation. I like that a lot. And the reason your your whole profile and material caught my attention is because I, as a coach and a business advisor, I find myself routinely running into situations where my client says, I know I'm stuck. I need to do something different. I want to be something different. I want to go a different direction. And basically, I want to have different results. So we get started on the work. But more often than not, I'm I'm afraid to say, even after a, a good period of work together, they fall back into their old habits. They they never break through that mindset about what it's going to take to show up as a different kind of leader. Yeah, no, great point. And you know, I heard this great quote once. Um, you know, when you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. Uh, you know, and and there's some areas we can go into. Head trash is a big one. Limiting beliefs is a big one. Habit creation, creating new habits. Uh, you know, I've got some frameworks on how to how to create new habits in 21 seconds, not 21 days. Uh, bad habit elimination, you get stuck in ruts. You know, uh, and, and then also time management too. Time management tends to be a key. So so I've got some frameworks around that. But you're right that that in the you know most people are tripping themselves up. And so, uh, and, and a lot of times it's not really your fault. It's a little bit more neurological, a little brain chemistry, uh, you know, the, the uh, older parts of your brain that, you know, is trying to keep you uh, away from fear and, and survival and things like that. And sometimes your brain neurologically is working against you. So there's different things we can talk about to kind of flip the switch uh, and and get you um, have your brain kind of working with you, not against you. Is there such a thing as being able to generalize the the main roadblock people have in wanting to create new habits? Well, okay, so um, 
there, there's two different things here. So, so there's kind of um, creating new habits and then there's bad habit elimination. So, and, and we try to, they're, they're kind of two separate things. Um, but in creating new habits, uh, so, so my company Self-Fluence, we have all these frameworks that we teach that are very self-evident. And we like to say that everything you need is within reach. You don't need anything new. Everything you need is right up here. You don't need any new app or any new fancy stuff. Everything you need, uh, you know, is, is within reach and that you're already a master at it. Uh, you know, you're, you're already doing it. And, and if you want to master it, you can. That's your choice. So habit creation is a great place to start. Um, and, and so what I like to do is I often tell people, I say, you know, I'll even ask you, you know, Doug, have you brushed your teeth in the last 24 hours? Have yeah. You? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. Twice. so, so how long? <laughs> well, three how, times, I guess. <laughs> there you go. I love that. So how yeah. long have you had that habit of brushing your teeth? Mm, most of my life. So decades. Right? Yeah, so decades for sure. Talk about our ages here, but but decades. So you, you and all the listeners, you're already a habit master, right? So you already know how to do it. We we it's proven. It's like self evident, right? Uh, and so this framework I have called the 21 second habit: how to create a new habit in 21 seconds, not 21 days. Um, I'll start with a little bit of a story here. So my wife. Uh, th luckily, this is past tense, but she used to have nearly daily migraine headaches, and the doctors couldn't figure it out. Figure it out, so they said, "Okay, Beth, you got to fill out this headache log every day." And it's like, "What did you eat? What are the triggers? What's the weather? What's the barometric pressure? All this stuff." And she could fill it out for a day or two, then she would lose it, then she would forget to do it, and she was like becoming really frustrated. Uh, you know, then she'd have a migraine. Then I'd ask her where the log is bad move. Uh, you know, so, so I realized that was a problem, but then one night I'm watching her brush her teeth and I realized that she is like the, the, the perfect person for the dentist. She brushes her teeth two minutes in the morning and two minutes at night. And so the first key to creating a new habit effortlessly in the 21 seconds is what I call habit linking. So what we did is we took the headache log, we put it underneath the toothbrush so now every day, twice a day, while she's brushing her teeth, she's filling out the log, right? She's brushing her teeth. She's, so she habit linked it to something she was already a habit master at. So that's one of the big keys in creating a new habit. Now, because she never lost the log because it was underneath the toothbrush and she knew where that was all the time. Uh, so she never lost it again, but she went from not being able to do it for two or three days to doing it 90 days in a row. 90 days in a row. And the, the smile on her face when she walked into that doctor's office <laughs> with that sheet. And now she has a migraine once a quarter, maybe even, you know, so, so uh, really that data really did help out. Um, but anyway, so, so habit linking, taking that, that new habit and linking it to something that you're already a habit master at. Uh, and so the second key to these 21 second habits, uh, I'll share another story. So I, I, I saw her do that and I said, okay, I want to start some new habits. Let me test it, right? I'm always testing everything on myself first. And so there were two habits that I wanted to start. One is every day I wanted to do this Bible app. Uh, and then two, I wanted to take a mind shower. Now, I realized, like we talked out at the start of the show here, that I had a lot of head trash. Like every day, people would say stuff. I had little doubting thoughts. And I realized, like I take a physical shower every day, I want to wash my mind out every day. So I wanted to take this 10-minute mind shower. And so I thought, okay, Blaine, what can you habit link to? This is the key. And I said, well, I want to do it first thing. So what do I do first thing in the morning? No willpower required, right? No willpower required is I open my smartphone every day. Sometimes my alarm is going off in there, but it's the first thing I do. 
right? And so what I did is I opened my smartphone, I moved all the apps off the home page, and I put the Bible app and this app called Headspace where I could do the mind shower. And I put those. So when I open my phone first thing, right, I, I see those first. And here's the second key. So the first key is habit linking. The second key is what I call urge surfing. So you need to surf some kind of urge to give you the energy to do the new habit. So like I, I asked myself, well, why do I open my phone every morning? Well, I open my phone because I want to check my text messages. My son lives in Denmark, right? Uh, I've got text messages, orders that have come in, new, what's going on in the world, what's happening with my investments. I have all these questions that I want to you know, know the answer to. And I take that excitement and I use that energy and I transmute that energy into you know, doing my, my Bible app, and habits. My, my, my mind shell, right? So, so that's the second thing is urge surfing. And then the last, and so today actually was today for me was day 1,798 days in a row that I've done those two new habits, right? So it really, it, it, it does work. Now, after about six, after 21 days, the neuro pathways do start to form. And after 63 days, you actually have a new kind of hardwired neuro pathway for that. But um, but anyway, so so habit linking, number one, urge surfing, number two. And the last part is leverage. So if you can get a streak three or four days in a row, you're going to have psychological leverage leverage on yourself because you're one you're going to want to keep that habit going right and the other way to get leverage on yourself is rewards or penalties right so you can give a reward hey if i do this habit for a week um you know i'm going to buy that book i want i wanted to buy right so give yourself rewards that is helpful and then also pain or penalties also work. Uh, usually a spouse or a good friend is happy to give you a penalty, right? So my wife is like, yeah, if you don't keep that <laughs> habit, you have to wash the, the garbage cans outside. She knows I hate to do that. Um, if she really wants me to get it done, she'll say, Blaine, you have to wash the neighbor's garbage cans, like on the side where if you touch his garbage cans, he's coming after you. So anyway, you can have some fun with it, but that's the key to setting new habit is habit linking, urge surfing, and then getting a little leverage. So I want to seize on one of the things you said there, the, this notion of the head trash that, that fills up. And it is, and it's interesting you mentioned the garbage can idea, you know, just, just like our household kitchen trash may be, I, I think our brains fill up that way too. We, we hear things, we see things, we take things in. We, even if it's stuff related to your business, there's just a flurry of information coming coming at you, and it, it becomes a kind of trash that's just, it's hard to see clear, it's hard to stay focused on your goals and objectives. So what is this mind shower you talked about? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so you're right that we have kind of like these garbage thoughts that don't serve us, right? Um, and so what I realized is that I needed to take that trash out. Well, the mind shower does two things. One is it takes the trash out a little bit, so you kind of recenter yourself, and it's it's done. It can be kind of like a like a little meditation. So there's an app called Headspace that I use that you can do a 10 minute meditation or there's another app called Calm, which is good. Insight Timer is another one. And there's also a Christian one called Abide. Uh, but but so there's a, a bunch of these different apps that basically kind of walk you through, you know, uh, you know, taking out the releasing the negative thoughts and replacing them with the good thoughts, like, you know, gratitude and the things that you're thankful for, um, you know, but, but kind of letting go of those things of yesterday, maybe learning from them possibly, uh, but letting go of yesterday, kind of putting in a 
good intention for the day. And, and the second part is, is the lens. And so in my mind shower, I set the lens for, you know, what am I looking for from today? Like what, what good is going to come from today? And I almost kind of, you know, pre-plan that. Um, and, and what I found is I, I call it the lens of the future, but this lens of the future that you look through actually and this is kind of cool, like, uh, you know, goose bumpy, uh, you know, brain science, but, but now they can study your brain, um, electronically, uh, and, and they can see that you literally change your brain chemistry and even your physiology strictly by the lens that you look through, right? So Doug, I'll, I'll give you an example. So if I said, I said this morning, I said, uh, Doug, I, I, I don't know. I got a weird feeling like today's going to be kind of a really bad day for you. So, so be careful. Now, just me saying that, you take that lens, now you're a little more cautious, you walk out in the street and you're almost hit by a car. And then you go, wow, Blaine was right. I was almost hit by this car, this is a bad day. And your physiology and your brain chemistry is a fear and you're down low and you're looking for the next bad thing to happen, right? And you're scared, right? Now, same day, same morning, I put a different lens in. I say, Doug, I don't know why, but today's going to be kind of one of the best days of your life. And you're like, oh, whoa, I'm waiting for this to show up. It's going to be the best day of life. You walk across that same street. You're almost hit by the car. But because of the lens, you say, wow, Blaine was right. I could have been killed by this car, but I was spared. The world has a reason for me to be here. I'm excited. You're, you're uplifted. Your physiology is all happy. You're looking for the next good thing. And so that, that lens actually dictates the, the brain chemistry that decides how you process the day. And that makes a big difference kind of day in and day out. Yeah. Well, as you say all that, I'm reminded, and, and not to get overly spiritual about this and go down that path, but um, I'm reminded of two teachings out of, out of modern theology. One says we are reminded and challenged to renew our minds on a regular basis. And, and the other is the notion of speaking blessings or curses into our own lives. Yeah. And it, I think that aligns with exactly what you're saying, that it, it is the framework, and the, I, I like your word, lens, the lens we look through that really dictates a lot about our next steps and what, what we're going to be thinking and doing. Yeah. And I think, you know, yeah, talked about that, you know, in the Bible and Romans about that, the transfer, you know, the, the, the renewing of your mind. And, and I, what I love about that is that I, I think we have that power. Like, well, I don't think I know that we have that power to renew our minds and we have that power to speak those things, you know, um, you know, that, that either lift ourselves up or tear ourselves down and then, to other people, we can also speak life or or kind of speak death to them based on on what we're saying. Uh, you know, so I, I think we have a lot of that, and that's what I I get excited because I realized at an early age that we had that power. You know, we have this I call it self fluence. You know, the art and science of influencing yourself or the ability you already have to influence yourself, and we have so much power in that area. And and and. I'm saddened when I see people kind of give up that power or kind of have a victimhood mentality about things. Uh, and so I have developed some frameworks, which we could talk about. If we want to talk about head trash. There's kind of two ways the head trash. One is like, what could you do like in the moment to kind of flip the switch right away? And then like on a longer term kind of proactive basis, how can you keep the head trash at a minimum? So we can go down that route or, or anything you'd like. 
Well, what, what I would like to do is I'm thinking of uh, small business owners uh, that, that I've run into, too many of them to speak of, and e even myself back in the day when I was trying to run companies. It is so incredibly easy to get yourself backed in a corner and seemingly overwhelmed by the time requirements. And, you know, I think the popular phrase now, everybody likes to talk about you're working in the business, not on the business. And I, I have a little struggle with that phrase, by the way, but that's another whole episode to get into. But it, it, it has its own value in, in setting the right framework that as the owner, it is easy to get consumed in a lot of the details. And, and there's a lot of psychologies that spin up to do that. But I think some of the typical things that I run into talking to owners, number one, there is a very compelling set of limiting beliefs. You know, maybe even some call it the imposter syndrome where they're looking at their business going, wow, this has gotten bigger than I ever thought it would. Uh, you know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So, you know, <laughs> what if somebody one day finds out? And it's like, well, <laughs> so what? <laughs> you know, you, you, you've already been successful. Now, now can you turn your energy to the next level? You know, whatever that may be. And it, it's that, I, I think often I, I find that present in owners who have uh, had some levels of success and now they're really frustrated not seeming to figure out how to break through this invisible wall that they've hit. And it all might be very much related to the combination of limiting beliefs and the head trash that they allow to exist throughout the day. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think, you know, business owners have certain levels of success and then they plateau. And, and that this little plateau, instead of just kind of celebrating, resting, recovery, get ready to climb the next mountain, you know, they, they, the, the doubts, uh, you know, and the imposter syndrome can start to sink in a little bit and you can kind of drift back down the mountain that you just climbed. So I think that, that that's key. And I have a, a little saying I came up with called YTABA. And it's, a, it's an acronym for what you think about, you bring about. So you really have to be careful about those thoughts. You almost have to guard your thoughts carefully. And um, the, the one thing I found most helpful for business owners, and really anyone can use it, is in the moment when you are thinking about that limiting belief or the limiting belief comes up, in that moment, there's a way to flip it uh, on its head. So for example, like someone will say, I'll be working with someone, they'll just say, I, I never have enough time. I never have enough time. I never have enough time. And it's like, okay, if you keep saying that, that that's a limiting belief. And then why table? What you think about, you bring about. Your brain is going to say, yeah, you, you don't have enough time because you're trying to be this person and that person and wear this hat and that hat. And you should have hired somebody. Blah, 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 blah. And, and the head trash piles up so high you can't, can't even see very, very rapidly. Um, right. So one technique that you can use that works instantly is what I call, yeah, but. So what you do is you, yeah, but yourself when that happens. So, you know, I never have enough time. Now I, I hear that. It's a limiting belief. I say, yeah, but, and I let my, give your brain a second to respond. Yeah, but you make your schedule. Yeah, but you can wake up an hour earlier tomorrow. Yeah, but you could delegate more. Yeah, but you could focus on the 20% that produces 80% of the results and cut your time in half. So the solutions can appear by, yeah, butting yourself kind of 
makes your brain flip to the other side. And you can also, if you have a mentor or a peer or other, other people could help you, and, you know, like I give people to, yeah, but me, you have permission to, yeah, but me anytime you hear me say some kind of limiting belief, you know, I'm too old. Yeah, but I have more wisdom than anyone else in the room. You know, so you just, and as you begin to, yeah, but yourself, you actually wire in your ability to flip very quickly. So now, like when I first started, it was a little harder, but now I just, yeah, but something. And it just, I just get a, a a slow like the other side. Yeah. So that that's worked really well for me. I like that. It's it's a very quick self-challenge. You know, two two thoughts that come to mind. I'm going to go back to something you said earlier, that idea of um, looking at the day and setting the lens properly for the focus you want. And what flashed through my mind as you were speaking that, I was thinking about Stephen Covey's, you know, famous begin with the end in mind. Well, a lot of times when we say that, begin with the end in mind, people are thinking about the big picture. It's this big thing I'm going to be. It's the, you know, it's when my company gets to 3 million or 5 million or 20 million or whatever your number is. But I think that principle of begin with the end in mind starts right now with today. You know, what is what is the end of today going to look like? Let's begin with that end in mind. And I also like the word intentional, you know, become intentional about how you're going to spend your time. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, and I love that idea of of winning the day, right? I, I often say win early, win often, because there's this like battle of the brain chemicals, right? And so if you can win, you know, if you win the day, most days, you're going to have a pretty good week, and that'll turn to a good month, a good quarter, a good year, and so on. So I really, really like the packaging of, of a day. And like you said, begin with the end of mind, you know, what will it take for you to win that day? And when I talk about my mind shower, during the mind shower, I typically set two wins for the day. Like I, I make a prediction, like these are going to be my two wins today. And I would say, you know, nine out of 10 days, I, I, I hit those two wins. And there's one out of 10 days I don't, uh, which is fine. But, but I actually am, and, you know, foreshadowing that, having that intention, this is how I'm going to win today. And again, when I say win early, win often, if you're losing every day, you've got to change something. Cause you're going to quit. You're, you're, you're going to, you're going to give up on, on life even or your business, right? So if you're losing all the time, then you have to dial down the resistance to winning because you need the brain chemicals. You need the wins, right? So like if someone says, you know, uh, I'm going to exercise for an hour a day and then I talk to them next week. How many times you do that? None. Okay. That's that you just lost. How did that make you feel? Terrible. Okay. So how about this? What about let's let's go five minutes? Can you exercise for five minutes a day? And you know, then a week later they come back, they did it every day, and maybe their average was 20 minutes, and they feel great about themselves, right? And and at least they got started, right? So you want to win early, win often, dial down the resistance to whatever you're trying to win at till you make sure you you win. I I I call it the golden ratio. You have to win a certain percentage of the time. When I was coaching my kids in tennis, it happened to be about 75% of the time they needed to win, uh, but 25 percent they needed to lose. Now, if they were winning 90% or 100% of the time, they were learning nothing. And it would be like, it was like, Dad, why are we going to Tucson? Well, we're going down to this other tournament. Well, Dad, there's those those kids are bigger and better down there. Like, yeah, they are. So let's go. You know, but but you have to do that. Now, if they're losing more than 25%, they're losing 50% of the time, 60% of the time, then they're going to want to quit. 
and they're going to want to leave the game. Um, so, so again, there's a magic ratio for me. It's about, I like to win about 90% of the time, but if I'm winning hundred percent, then I know I'm not growing. I'm not, I'm not pushing myself far. <laughs> As I think about that, I'm, I'm reminded last year in, in baseball, my two of my grandsons were in the same league and, but they were a year apart. So they're on different teams and different slight, slightly different classifications. The older son ended up on a team that ran the table they were undefeated, won the tournament, won the league, the whole bit. I mean, 17-0 in wow. Little League Baseball is a big deal, right? So uh, to your point, though, and that this is a bit of a sidebar where I'm going with the story, to your point, I do question how much my grandson on that team really learned. Well, the good news is he learned a lot because he had a phenomenal coach, he, he, a guy that I've actually even written about in my blog on leadership because of the leadership he demonstrated the way he ran that team. But the other grandson was on a team that was almost the polar opposite. <laughs> oh, no. They uh, they only won one game the whole year and and didn't qualify for the tournament so you know didn't even play that round and one day mid season uh, <clears throat> we didn't know the final and ultimate outcome but the older grandson's team was still undefeated we're driving down the road and the younger grandson and we had friends in the car that had not really followed the whole season and we were talking about the baseball and. The younger grandson said, Joel, my brother, he said, his team is undefeated. And he said, my team, we're defeated. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't know the the opposite word of of undefeated. He just goes, we're defeated. No, and, and, it, and it's true. I mean, and it's it's tough, you know, if you're not winning enough. And and in life, like brain chemistry, neurologically, you're you're wired to win, right? So so you really want to dial down the resistance, you know. You know, some people say if you're trying to pick up a new skill like meditation or exercise, start with one minute, you know. Uh like even my mind shower. I like a 10-minute mind shower, but if I have to do a two or three minute mind shower, I'm gonna do that. I'm not gonna miss the mind shower, right? Break my streak of 1700 days or whatever. You know, but but so so dial it way down to to, to still make sure you do it right. Um, that that's really key is to, is to win early and win often. Yeah. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. You know, on the time management issue, I, I tell my clients, we inevitably will have a discussion when this whole time consummation comes in as the topic. You know, they're they're feeling buried. They're feeling overwhelmed by the requirements of their, their role and their duties. And I'll start with the idea of, you know, and this is classic coach speak, but you know, I'll, I'll ask them, do you know we've got one thing in common as human beings? There is only, well, there's two things. We breathe the same air and we have the same number of seconds in the day. Everything else about our existence as human beings walking this planet is different somehow or another, but those two things are pretty standard. And so as a business leader, the question comes, how are you using your time? 
because what makes you different from a Jeff Bezos or an Elon Musk? And I love them or hate them, but I, those names are good flashpoints to talk about. Point being, they've obviously accomplished a lot in, with their minutes and seconds every day. And, and it comes down to their intentional use of that time and the way they apply their thinking to the visions, goals, and objectives they want to achieve. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I think people, it's interesting that I ask people, you know, do you, have you ever heard of the 80-20 rule? And they all say, yes, Pareto's principle. And I say, can you tell me what it is? And they often say, yeah, it's, uh, you know, 20% of what you do produces 80% of your results. Uh, you know, and, and then I say, you know, do you use that? And they say, you know, not really, or not enough, you know, and they realize that, that there is the vital few and the trivial many. And so much of those you know, uh, 1,440 minutes a day or whatever it is are spent, are spent on the trivial. And, and, you know, if you really believe in the 80, 20, you realize if you just worked on the 20%, you could, you could cut out, you know, half of what you do and still get twice as much done. Right. You know, so that's, that, that's one key principle there. The other thing though, is I like, I like things that are self-evident that people realize. And so I, I have this other framework called the 30 minute hour. So that's like how to get an hour's worth of stuff done in just 30 minutes. Uh, and the cool thing about that is that, again, it's you don't need any everything you need within reach. You're already doing it. You already know how to do it and that you can master it if you if you so desire. Um, and so now this 30 minute hour thing is very, very powerful. And so, uh, you know, Doug, I have to make sure that it's used for good and not used for evil. So <laughs> let's say that you and I had four 30 minute hours in a row. So that means we got four hours worth of stuff done in just two hours. That's going to leave us two hours of guilt-free time that we can do whatever we want. But here is the good versus evil. You can't use it for work. Now, I'm type A personality. You give me two extra hours. I'm like, I can get two more hours worth of stuff done for my business. No, no. Let's say it's not that. So what would you do? So for me, uh, you know, I, I like to connect with my kids. Uh, you know, they're 27 and 29 now. So connecting with the kids is a big one. I like to go out for uh, hikes in nature. I live in Phoenix. Uh, I've got a Peloton bike that I like to use. And I also like connecting with old friends, um, you know, like old college friends. So that, that's probably how I'd spend my my two hours of non-work, guilt-free non-work time. W what about you? If you got two guilt-free hours, you could do whatever you want, but not work, what, what would you do? Oh, I, I agree with you. Well, I alluded to grandkids. I've got seven grandkids and wow. finding time uh, to spend with them is, is always uh, a blessing. And it's always fun. There's always something going on and good opportunities there. That that would be one. And it's interesting you brought up the college friends. I, I too, have had a group of um, college buddies. We, we've actually been in touch on a regular basis. We actually have an annual reunion kind of thing we do. And um, but even in between, we have a, a quarterly get together where we actually it requires each of us taking a day off to drive to the center of the state of Texas for a lunch meeting we do. But we've figured out geographically a spot on the map that had a good barbecue place that um, that we can all drive to in a reasonable, equitable amount of time. So no one person is burdened with travel to get there. And it's a drive. You don't have to fly. So um, we've all committed to doing things like that. So it's, you know, those kind of things already happen on my schedule. 
Well, that, that, that's awesome. That's good. Uh, all right. So I'm going to talk about this framework and, and I want you, the listener, to take some time and put some of that personal stuff back in there, right? And so, Doug, what you just talked about, I, I studied people at the end of their life, last few weeks, and they all basically say the same thing. They say, I wish I had more memorable moments with the people I love. Now that can be family, but also friends and peers and even people people that they worked with, but that's what they want. They didn't want more money. They, they knew their money was not useful where they were going, uh, you know, and, and they didn't want to wish they worked more. They wish they had more memorable moments with the people they love. So I want you all to have more of those. Um, all right. So let's talk about the 30 minute hour. Now, there is a day of the year. Some people have this more than once a year, but there's a day of the year where people are three to 10 times more productive than their normal day. That's 3x to 10x. Now we're only looking for 2x. So this is going to be easy for us. But do you know the day of the year, which is uh, a person's most productive day of the year? That's an interesting question. I what's, I don't know, but what's going through my mind is either birthday or uh, one of the one of the big holidays. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, so, so it's not like a, a specific day like that, um, but it's going to be self-evident. And so here it is. The most productive day of the year for people is actually the day before vacation. So mm. think about this. The day before vacation, people get three to 10 times more done than their normal day. So what I did is, first of all, I studied it for my own day before vacations. I'm like, wait, this is my most productive day. But then I started studying other people. And I really did a deep dive into the day before vacation. And why was it so much more productive than all the other days of the year? And I got it down to just three things, a little acronym I call PDF. Now, people will remember PDF because you'll say, email me the PDF or go print out the PDF. Uh, so, so in the electronic world, that stands for portable document format. That's not what it is here. For us, PDF stands for Plan, Delegate, Focus. And so, and I'll, I'll unpack these to show you how to have the 30-minute hours. But what happens is people become really good at those three things on the day before vacation. And you don't have to wait till the day before vacation to use all that stuff. So every day I'm taking the planning, the delegating, and kind of the fierce focus that comes from a day before vacation. And I'm putting that back into my regular day, uh, making them much more productive. So I call it, kind of call it day before vacation mode. Uh, often I'll tell people, hey, I'm, I'm in day before vacation mode. And they're like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just getting a lot of stuff done today. <laughs> But but planning, I'm a big fan of winning the day, like you've mentioned earlier, and I'm a big fan of next day planning, right? I say, I say never let a day end without planning the next one. Um, but what happens is on the day before vacation, you really plan that thing out. You plan it out sometimes down to the 15 minute mark or at least hour by hour. You've got it all planned out, right? So you want to plan your day. That That's going to give you some 30 minute hours immediately if you'll plan your day. And I'm going to recommend something not everybody recommends, which is to over schedule your day. I mean, really plan it out, even though you know you're going to get calls, you're going to get interruptions, but you're going to be more likely to live your day and not be uh, taken away from your day by shiny objects and distractions if you have it a little bit over planned. So I don't, I don't do that every single day, but, but think about over planning. Also, day before vacation, people wake up 30 to 60 minutes earlier than a normal day. So you want tomorrow to be a highly productive day? Wake up 30 minutes earlier. Again, not saying you, you want to do that every day, but that's one of the things they do. Then the other thing is they have a very clear vision. The day before vacation, like, 
These are the things that have to get done, right? This stuff has to get done. I'm leaving, right? So get real clear about what are those, mo- and this goes back to that 80-20 rule. What are those 20% things that you need to focus on that produce 80% of the results? Focus in on those. And then what are the 80% of the things that only produce 20% of the results? You want to oust the 80 focus on the 20, right? And one of the ways you oust the 80 is the second one. So plan is the first, that's the P. D stands for delegate and also maybe defer, right? So you want to oust the 80. You want to delegate and defer things, uh, you know, and, and push that out to, to, uh, to, to other people, right? I often say on the day before vacation, people ask who before do. Who before do, meaning who could do this before you go do this? Because you don't have time to do it all. So you're much better at delegating and and deferring. And when I make my to-do list, which for business owners can get very large, at the beginning of the day or the night before, I look at that list and say, what can I defer? What could I push out? What If I don't get it done tomorrow, it's not going to be the end of the world. And I push out as much as I can. It's kind of a little bit of a proactive procrastination, but that's what you do on the day before vacation. So plan, delegate. And the last one, which is where I personally get my most 30-minute hours, is from focus. Um, And so on the day before vacation, you have this weird, like, fierce focus on what you have to get done. And think about all the things that don't happen. No chit-chat, no long phone calls, no lost in the internet, right? You, You just don't go down that many rabbit holes because of that focus, right? And uh, the, the other skill that you have on the day before vacation that you should use um, goes back to, do you like, um, do you like James Bond movies? Yeah, yeah. Haven't watched one in a while, but yeah, I like them. Okay, do you know the very first James Bond movie came out in 1963? Do you know the name of that movie? Mm, I think it was Goldfinger. It, it was not. No, no. Well, I, my second guess was Thunderball, but I think that was later. I think that was the third one. Okay, so the very first James Bond movie for people to remember for the rest of their life was Dr. No. That was the very first one. So what happens is on the day before vacation, you become Dr. No. So people are like, Blaine, can you do this? Blaine, can you do that? No, 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 no. Like I'm saying no more than more than yes on the day before vacation, guaranteed, right? So you want to bring that back into your regular day. So my default answer is no. Now, if I have a full schedule, it's easier to say no, right? If I have the full schedule. Uh, also saying no tends to avoid the 90-minute hour. Now, the 90-minute hour is where somebody asks for an hour of your time and it takes 90 minutes minutes, right? Yeah. Or somebody asks for 10 minutes of your time and it takes 30 minutes. 30, so yeah. We want to avoid, avoid that stuff. Um, also on the focus side, on the day before vacation, people tend to stay on schedule more and they also tend to use timers. So I use a lot of timers. I'll tell Siri, I'll just tell her to set a timer, you know, for 30 minutes or 60 minutes, whatever, like if I'm going to do write an article or email or go on the internet, you know, whatever I'm going to do, I'm using timers throughout the day just to wake me back up at of that rabbit hole to kind of avoid that because you don't have a lot of time on the day before vacation. So you can use uh, a timers. And then where I get my most 30 minute hours personally is from tasking. And so when I studied the people on the day before vacation, they all became masters of tasking. Now there's single tasking, multitasking, and batch tasking. So single tasking is where there's some task that you're the best one at. You you need to do this task. It it, it has to be you. It's not delegatable. And single tasking means that you focus in on that task alone 
and nothing else. And so an example would be like, I write a lot of articles. If I'm going to, I can write, I can get an hour's worth of article writing done in just 30 minutes. If I will turn my phone off, open up one, one screen where I'm typing, shut down all the rings, dings, and bings. So I have no rings, dings, and bings. My office door is closed. Nobody can get in touch with me. And I give that thing a full 30 minutes uninterrupted. That's pure gold. I'll get an hour's worth of writing done every single time I do that. Now, initially, when you try it, you might have a little monkey mind. I wrote an article about that. But but just have a piece of scrap paper and some weird thought comes. Don't try to push it away because you don't want to lose it. Capture it on a piece of paper, two, three seconds, and then just go right back to work. After a while, after a while you train your brain to stay in that single focused mode. So that single tasking is, is really key to shut out the world. Uh, shut all the distractions and just go do that one thing. Now, multitasking kind of gets a bad rap, but it's when you can do two things at the same time without sacrificing the quality of either one. So I can listen to Rockstar Doug's podcast while I'm driving my car. I can do those at very high levels, both of them at the same time. So that's the kind of stuff you're looking at. I can, uh, I used to love exercise, but I also love family time. So teach the kids how to play tennis. We go out for 30 minutes of tennis. I got 30 minutes of tennis and 30 minutes of family time. Hours worth of stuff done in just 30 minutes. So you're looking for that. Or if I'm doing chores or if I'm going for a walk or if I'm exercising, I'm trying to do something else at the same time. If I'm waiting in line, you know, uh, I always have something on my phone that I could read or look at. So this idea of multitasking uh, can give you those 30 minute hours. And the last one is batch tasking. And that's simply where you just batch together uh, things that that go together, right? So mm-hmm. if uh, the day before vacation, you have three errands to run, you're not going to run an errand, come home, run an errand. No, you go out, you run, you batch all three errands together, then you come back, right? Um, you know, you, if you batch your computer work, if you batch your phone calls, they're much more efficient if you batch them together. Even interruptions, uh, you know, maybe you're going into the into your office and you tell your staff, look, from nine to 11, I'm going to be in single tasking mode. Don't come in here unless there's a fire, right? And don't send any messages my way. And then at 11, I will emerge and then we'll go for 20 minutes. I'll answer any questions you had from the morning, right? So now you got your single, you know, uh, uh, tasking mode. And then when you come out, you batched all those questions of the morning into that little 20 minute chunk. So that's, that yeah. uh, works well. So think. I've worked you know, with several. I worked with several clients recently. We we've done some of that, and I I've always started with the third piece of your model or your PDF model. I've started with the focus. You, you've you in my mind again is a little bit about the short term. Begin with the end in mind. You got to have focus on what you want to get done. And and I, I I love what you said about and no doubt. And I'm definitely guilty of it. The day before a vacation, you get hyperactive, hyper productive and it is it starts with a lot of focus plan and and batch tasking or or doing the right things with your tasking i um i've I've had a couple of clients recently where we've tried to implement some of those things you mentioned things like take an hour block it off you're going to single thread a, a, a task or a challenge that you've got and only you can do it so it's got to be done shut the door tell your people to go away unless the building's burning down yes uh but um realistically any other question about your business can wait an hour and and they don't need to come running to you and if, if you get people trained to operate that way you know, one hour can become two hours and maybe even three. And if you're doing the the things like you're talking about, 
it's not just a literal 60 minutes of production, but it's maybe six hours of output, you know, based on, on that ability to do that. I had one client, and this is an interesting story to me. We had, we had talked about this whole time management and overwhelm thing for a while. And finally it clicked with me. And I said, I said, we were on a Zoom call and I said, uh, screen share your calendar for me. I want to see your calendar. What does your calendar look like? And he opened up his, he used, he's an Outlook user. He popped that open. It was white. It was a blank slate. And I said, how in the world do you get anything done? I said, you're just a windmill. You know, you're just waiting for the wind to blow to guide your effort and direction. I said, your next task is to start blocking in that white page there and start blocking in intentional moments. You know, if you need to meet with your right hand person for an hour, twice a week, just to cover the bases and get put that on the calendar, get it figured out get it blocked in, get a repetition about those things that are critical to your success and start having them show up on your calendar and then start living by that calendar plan. And I said, and I pointed at the screen, I said, that right there is why you're frustrated right now, because you've got nothing organized about anything you're doing. You're just randomly blowing in the wind and letting it all happen to you rather than you directing what needs to be happening. Yeah. Great, great advice. I, I often tell people it's like uh, getting on an airplane and there's no pilot. So you go down the jetway, you look in the cockpit, no, you sit down and then the flight attendant comes on and says, yeah, but we don't have a pilot, uh, you, you know? And so what, what does that mean? Like, like how long are you going to sit on the plane with no pilot? Right. But that's what you're doing every day. You, you start your day without a plan. You're, you're getting on a, a plane with no pilot. You don't know where it's going. You don't know if a pilot's going to show up, uh, you know, and, and that's a big, big thing is to take control of your day. And I bet you that person, you know, hopefully on the day before vacation, they would, they probably had to plan that day out a little bit because they had a bunch of stuff they knew they had to get done and, and dialed it in. So I but, found that <clears throat> works for people because they can relate to that day before vacation before. Right. Well, Blaine, unfortunately, we're kind of up on our time here, man. This has been amazing, and I, I don't know about the listeners, but for me, it is blown by. You've packed a whole lot of really good information in this time. So tell people the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more. Yeah, I think the easiest thing is just go to BlaineTedx.com. So it's B-L-A-I-N-E-T-E-D-X.com. And there you can opt in. I did a TEDx talk about white table, what you think about, you bring about. And in that talk, I talk about kind of a simple, elegant way to remind yourself of whatever you're trying to bring about in your life about a hundred times a day. It's kind of a cool, kind of elegant solution for that. And then once you do that, you'll be opted in to my email list. So you'll get some emails to get to know me. You'll have my email address. And if I can serve you in any way, I'm, I'm happy to do it. That's great. Well, Blaine, thank you so much for sitting in and sharing all this. I, I really believe it's uh, it's valuable guidance and direction for folks. And and I love the way you break it down in a real simple to understand common sense answers. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thanks, Doug. Thank you so much for having me. And, and I'll leave the listeners with, with this. The bad news, the bad news is time flies. The good news, you're the pilot. So pilot well, my friends, pilot well.
I love it. Love it. Well, folks, on that note, we are going to wrap up, and I want to thank everybody for sitting in and uh, spending your time with us today. I don't often do this, but I, I'm going to say, in my humble opinion, this is an episode you're probably going to want to rewind. You're going to want to find another time to sit down and get a notepad and uh, really uh, – click forward and back on this thing a couple of times and pick out the nuggets that Blaine shared with us here. I promise you from my own coaching experience, what he's talking about are almost magical solutions to some of the problems you're likely facing right now. And I don't use that word lightly. I think it's it's important that we do get the results because we can otherwise spend a lot of time and energy doing things. And if we're not ultimately producing the results we hope for, then, you know, got to do something different. So on that note, I am going to sign off, say goodbye, and wish you the best. Uh, stop in again real soon. We hope to see you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.